Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of The Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Ash Thorpe, and this week we're joined by illustrator and comic creator, Daniel Warren-Johnson. In this episode, Daniel shares his journey with us on how he got started growing up in Boston, working various jobs at a hospital and as a middle school art instructor, until he finally took the leap of faith to follow his art passion, which led him to where he is now working as a full-time comic book artist and creator. If you're creative on the brink of wanting change in your life, this episode is going to be perfect for you. This episode is brought to you by LearnSquared. LearnSquared is an online art education platform that is founded and powered by industry-leading artists from around the world. The key feature of LearnSquared comes from our community and the ability to connect directly with those that you admire and learn applicable and usable knowledge by those that are leading the way in their particular professional field. If you're interested in sharpening a particular part of your creative ability or just simply curious to see how others work and problem solve, head over to LearnSquared.com and begin your journey. Here we go, everyone. Episode 156 with Daniel Warren Johnson. Let's roll. One of my favorite things about living in this era is literally I was um, scrolling through Instagram as I do before I go to bed or something, I and I was looking through art and then it tags you in things that you kind of constantly like. Most of the time it's just like cars and corgis, <laughs> but every <laughs> once in a while it'll be like some awesome art. And Daniel's work came up on my feed and I was like, oh shit, this is awesome. Like I really, <laughs> I, I was like, oh, I've never heard of you and like your work is beautiful. And I, I told Andrew who produces the show, I said, Andrew, can you please reach out? Let's have Daniel come on the show because it'd be awesome. So, and here we are you know, like a week later. So I'm just like, yes, internet, future, <laughs> technology. <laughs> when it does something great, it, it does it great. So yeah, so thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, man. Um, so I kind of like, like I mentioned, we're going to talk a bit about like um, a bunch of different random things and the conversation will naturally kind of go into whatever. Um, but I kind of want to talk about um, what I usually do is when we get into this is I'm this is the first time I'm talking with you. So it'd be kind of cool to know for people that aren't aware of who you are, kind of get a sense of who you are. So could you maybe kind of explain what you do for a living or for your passions and what you're, you know, most well known for or the things that you love to do? Can you explain that to us? Yeah. Um, gosh, things, I guess things that I'm most well known for now, I'm, I guess I'm most well known for being like comic book, uh, writer and artist. Uh, I love doing my own stories. I've done, I've written or I've drawn, comics for other people in the past but my my the thing that i'm most passionate about is writing and drawing my own stories that i create for my brain and putting those on paper and sharing them with other people and you know other than that passions geez whew, i love transformers and i love playing guitar so <laughs> <laughs> yeah i noticed you're jamming i was watching some of your videos i was like hell yeah you like metal too it's great <laughs> oh i love it i love yeah, it me too i've been listening to like a lot of crazy metals like the past um past couple months i've been like on this crazy metal tip i've been like obsessed with the latest norma jean album i don't know if you like hardcore but oh man norma jean and me have a history oh yeah sure good okay yeah have you seen we go back all the way to 2005 oh okay yeah me too (laughs) back when josh skogan was still in the band yeah that was the other lead singer right that was the lead singer before the one they have now and then uh oh gosh remember the 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 really long song titles that they would have yeah (laughs) yeah and then they had aaron they had Aaron Weiss from me without you. 
yeah come and do guest too. vocals yeah and yeah. me without use my favorite band so there you go anyway okay. so we're speaking yeah. similar language then here so yeah. yeah but yeah i love a good hardcore man and their latest album i mean i'm not sure if you're a fan of the latest or the newest singer but for me it's just like it just does it so in so many different levels it's just really it's just they just keep getting better so it's just awesome so that's awesome that they kind of came out of that like kind of post uh post christian metal scene you know the like the hardcore like midwestern scene and they're kind of like doing their own thing now it's cool yeah it's almost like they're becoming more melodic and kind of like lots of different pieces of say like thrice and deftones or something are folded into the mold and um in in the best of ways i'm not saying in any way other than just like just awesome music like great music <laughs> it's great to have it so yeah and i, I was going to ask you that because i was going to segue because your your art has um so much energy that's the one thing i i instantly was drawn towards because uh, as an artist myself it's so easy to get caught up in the details for me personally and then mm. all my all my shit's all like so, like it's just like like super rigid <laughs> it's just like i was drawn by like some tight ass or something you know so the thing i really love is the fluidity and the and the, and the freedom that your art does carry and i'm wondering if music has something to do with that oh man i wish i could say i wish i could say it does i definitely uh I definitely will listen to music when I draw and when I like compose a panel. Um, I almost exclusively listen to classical when I'm thumbnailing an issue, like getting everything ready visually. Hmm. What kind of classical? Um, like what? Which? Usually Bach or Beethoven. I don't really know. I don't really know like which pieces. I just I Google something and I click this whatever I haven't listened to listened to yet on YouTube, <laughs> and I just have a playlist going and it kind of gets me into the zone. Oh yeah, um, I love evolving too. It's super good. Yep, it's so complex that it forces me to kind of treat it as background noise, even though that might be sacrilegious to a classical music fan. No. Uh, I feel like if I were able to, if I I feel like I could definitely sit down and appreciate it if I tried, but I almost need like, uh, like some sort of white noise behind me as I'm thumbnailing, especially. So that's awesome. Um, you, that's part of your I mean, habitual, like habitual routine, um, in creating, yeah, in creating things. Yeah. I'd say classical is a big part of it. Um, it's awesome. Yeah. I mean, cause I, I love listening to music. Like I love listening to all sorts of music, but most of the music I listen to requires some sort of attention, mm. you know? So it's really great if I'm sitting down and I have to ink a bunch of grass oh, or, yeah. uh, you know, bricks. <laughs> That's audiobook time for me. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Do you listen to audiobooks you know as well? I try, but they distract me too much and my work <laughs> suffers for it. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. I have friends that have a hard time with that too. It's totally understandable because there are times where I can't either, you have to really just kind of, do two things at once it's weird because you can't really but it's just really it becomes quite complex yeah i either will uh get distracted by listening to the audiobook or i will get distracted by drawing and then uh, an hour will have gone <laughs> by and i have no idea what the audiobook was telling me <laughs> <laughs> yeah do that too i'm trying to go through neuromancer again right now and it's like ah it's it's really it's hard to listen to so for some reason for me but i guess because i i've been listening to like hours and hours and hours of um uh, Game of Thrones, which is incredible. I don't know if you've yep. ever read that or listened to it. I read all of them except for five, but oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, so you know. It's freaking so damn good. It's so good. Yeah. I, I do listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, okay, awesome. And if it's a little more like informative, uh, then I can treat it more as, you know, I, it's, not, it's not like a narrative, right? Like, well, 
I don't have to worry about missing something or because there are novels, you know, where if you miss a paragraph, you miss the entire story. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Whereas yeah. If, I, if I listen to NPR, I'm probably going to get the story no matter where I, I enter into the conversation. So yeah. I was going to ask you next, what, what kind of podcast do you listen to? I really love, uh, oh man. Um, I really love, I was there too. Oh, the, uh, yeah, it's this uh, this guy in L.A. who interviews people who had really small roles in really famous films. <laughs> um, so he interviews like Biff from Back to the Future. He oh, interviews cool. the guy who played the voice of the Emperor and you know uh, the Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> uh, he oh, and he interviewed the stormtrooper with like the orange uh, shoulder pad who gets who's like who gets uh, influenced by uh, Ben Kenobi in uh, A New Hope. <laughs> what a niche thing, man! That's incredibly niche. <laughs> <laughs> it's really fun though because then you get to hear these amazing stories about these famous people sure. who directed the films you know uh that's awesome. really cool very yeah. special yeah well it's um, like you get to a good sense of like really there is so much that goes behind working on films it's just it's oh just yeah crazy vast i mean i've worked on films <laughs> i've been on sets it's just crazy amount of people that have to be put onto that to make it work it's yeah next level stuff and then I also listened to uh, uh, a bit. One of my favorites that I I listen to like on the dot as soon as it comes out is um, the Felix Comic Art podcast. Uh, so he is my Felix is you know my art rep. His name is Felix Lou. He is based out of uh, San Francisco, and he deals with all my original art. You know, all of it I get sent to him. He sends it out to people who would buy my art for my comics and he also has a podcast where he talks about original art with other collectors um and he said he's had some amazing guests on there talking about this very niche thing collecting original comic book art yeah um people like glenn danzig who is a huge comic book art fan yeah he is uh he just had robert kirkman on who loves the 90s stuff Mm. like young blood and the rob liefeld uh original pages yeah (laughs) um so many people hate that stuff. It's so funny. Like I love the polar opposite responses to Rob's work and it's so funny. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's, it's pretty wild, but it there are the diehard fans who yeah. like hunt for those pages. Um, sure. And then, you know, he also had, he had the, uh, a guy who, who was the art rep for Frank Miller back in the middle of the eighties when, uh, they were, Damn. when, uh, when you're shredding it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was just destroying the game with his art. I saw one he, of your pictures. You were holding one of his original Dark Knight, and I was like, "Damn you! That's so badass." <laughs> you yeah, learn so was, much when you hold it and you look at it, and you just see the scale yep. and where he was doing what he was doing. Like, yep, it's pretty amazing. Um, so it's great if you if you like listening to stories about Kirby and you know Simonson and and, and Frank Miller, oh, like okay. smoking weed in 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 like uh, in the back section of uh the kirby's pool house <laughs> <laughs> awesome so it's like a joe yeah. rogan podcast for nerds comic nerds i guess okay. yeah I, I don't know who joe rogan is i apologize oh you don't okay yeah well i don't know if you've ever heard of ufc but he's a commentator on ufc and he has a podcast called joe rogan experience it's an amazing podcast and he has all kinds of interesting people he has everybody from like neil degrasse tyson to like mma fighters on it's a really great show it's awesome a thousand I was, uh, episodes I, now almost i think or something like that he's just he's an incredibly prolific person 
I was homeschooled, so I totally missed out on all the WWF and WWE stuff. Oh, that's not as what a it kid. is. That's UFC. That's different. <laughs> I think that's oh. like wrestling that you're talking about. But no, this oh, is like, okay, sure, this yeah. Is like well, there you go. It shows you how much other. I know about the fighting world. <laughs> no, that's totally fine. Um, no, I'll check that out. So it's called Felix Comic Art Podcast. Is that what it's called? The Felix Comic Art Podcast. Okay, yeah, I'll have to check that out. If um, I had to recommend one to you, that would be the one. Okay, I'll check that out. Um, any others? Because I love podcasts. Mm. I love passing them on. I, have, I might have a couple for you you might like, too. Uh, gosh, let's see. Um, wait, wait, don't tell me. I'm sure. I mean, do you listen to that one? No. What is it called? Wait, wait, don't tell me? Yeah. No, um, so it's a uh, it's like a it's a comedy podcast that NPR puts out every Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's, it's based here in Chicago. Uh, they have... Um, different hosts come on like Tom Hanks to come on and answer riddles or uh, like facts about the, the past week's news. So when I want to like crumble into, you know, depression about what's happening in our world today, <laughs> I can listen to that. And it's actually really fun. It's like, it's just a, puts a really nice take on everything that happened in the week, you know? Oh, okay, that's and, cool. uh, that's, then. yeah, very, di- well, it's just a, it's like a comedy show, but you know, it's all, it's all the best. It's the, it's the great comedy that's dealing with what's happened, which happened in the past week and better than uh, Saturday night live by a mile. In my opinion, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't watched SNL forever since like, yeah, I just, I stopped watching it a long time ago. I, I heard it got better. And, um, but you know, it's like, it's like, um, it's almost like, uh, when bands break up and then other members try to join, but it's just not the same thing. It's just that, you know, some, some of those guys, they just have that kind of power when they had that show and they were just, you know, just destroying the game with the comedy scene. Plus there's so many distractions, you know, now it's like with podcasts and everything. It's like, um, the, to, to get our attention and our time is just, yeah, good luck. There's so much stuff out there. So yeah, it's a whole different thing. So you're in Chicago then what part of Chicago? I am. I'm in the North side of Chicago. I'm in a neighborhood called Andersonville. Okay. That's about two miles North of Wrigley field. Oh, nice. Um, you like baseball? I do like baseball. I don't follow it as much as I did when I was a kid. Sure. Um, but I still, I still love going to games. So American. I love hanging out with people. So it is very American. Crazy yes. patriotic. Yeah. I just went to a game down here in San Diego because I live in San Diego. The okay. Petco Park is awesome. I don't know if you've ever been. Maybe you've been to Comic Con. I have never been to Comic Con. Oh, okay. Um, Probably. I've I've never been to a game in California. I've been to California a few times, but never been to a baseball game. That's really cool. It's a beautiful stadium. But so um, you're saying you would go to a game sometimes? Yeah, like so. I grew up in in uh, Boston, and every summer. Cool. What part of Boston? Well, okay. So let's see. It's maybe like 20 miles out to the west of Boston. It's a town called Framingham. Oh, I used to live in Waltham. No way. Yes, that's pretty close then. That's crazy. How old are you? Uh, I am 30 years old. Okay, I'm 34. So we were, I was a bit ahead of you. So, but there, there's a comic book shop in Waltham. I don't know if you've ever been to it. Um, I think it's called like, uh, shit. Because uh, if you're into comics back then, were you? I was. Because there's not a lot of comic book shops. Well, actually, there was New- Newton, Newton, or whatever, uh, Newberry, Newberry Comics, I think, was kind of famous. Yeah, but they always had crap selection. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Especially this, back in the day. This one is, this place is still there. It's like a mom and pop shop, and it's just crazy. I went, 
like randomly bit went back to Boston and brought my girls with me and we went and I was like, let me see if the shop's still, boom, it was there. It was like, what the hell? It was still there and the guy still remembered me. And I was like, wow, like this is insane. <laughs> I, uh, I remember, I, I remember hunting for battle chasers comics, oh. uh, you know, and at that point they were all way back issues and they were the only shop. I think it was the shop in Waltham that had to shoot eight with the, you know, uh, the gauntlets, the bloody gauntlets yes. on the front cover. Joe Mad. That dude. was like Damn, Joe, Joe Mad indeed. Damn you, Joe and, Mad. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I'm a big Joe Mad fan, and I grew up was growing up. I mean, Battle Chasers hit me at perfect time because I was just getting introduced to anime and manga, yep. and it was like, whoa, yep. this is the gateway drug to that entire world, which was really hit it on the head. Yeah. But I remember this was like before, at least this is before, really, like my we had really access to any kind of internet like that you could buy something on the internet yeah, and get something sent to your house. So all I could do was try and find that. I just wanted issue eight of battle chaser. Couldn't find it anywhere. Yeah. And I found it at this comic shop. And all damn thank the Lord. One. You must've, so it's called outer, the outer limits. It's a yeah, little I think shop. That's it, yeah. Yeah. So that was the shop. I used to go to school right up the street from there. And that was a shop I'd go by every day and I'd stop there. The guy was nice enough to let me be a little jerk and go through all the books and read them. And like, you know, I'd buy stuff obviously, but he was just uh, such a sweetheart. That place is awesome. That's awesome. You, you got to love that's... those things. I was incredibly amazed that it was still there. Like, honestly, I was completely blown away that it was there because I was just thinking, oh, you know, comics are on their way out. And, but I think that there's, enough of a tribe of people that appreciate comics in that area to support that store. Cause places like Newberry, like you said, um, they're just out to make a buck. It felt like, you know, um, whereas yep. the shop is out to make a buck. Every business is of course, but it, their, their ambitions are differently, you know? So, and you just had like mm. just tons of stuff. And I was there, I was like, okay, I have to buy stuff. So <laughs> I bought a bunch of comics back with me, even comics that I already had, but yeah, great memories. That place is awesome. So, oh yeah, that's ironic. Probably passed cross paths at some point then. Yeah, I, pro- I probably bought all the other battle chasers then. <laughs> um, no, man, that's awesome. So, um, so Chicago. Now you were used to live in Boston. Um, comics. I want to talk a little bit about like inspirations. You know, like what sure. triggered this for you? Like what got you into doing this? Like why did you decide to do this? Because this is very niche, right? To do this kind of stuff and especially building your own uh, world and stuff too. So, yeah. Yeah. Like comic books and stuff. Yeah. It's in general, you know, like this kind of, you know, everybody's like, Hey, you know, be a lawyer or a doctor or a mechanic or engineer or something, you know, um, I don't know how many percent of the world population does comic book art. You know, it's very rare. Right. Right. Um, it's a, it's a decision. That's what I'm saying. You know, so I guess, um, you know, it all started mostly with me uh, stumbling on Calvin and Hobbes. Mm. Um, that's probably where my first, you know, artistic journey came in with the comics medium. Um, and from then on, I was just drawing all the time from first grade on. Mm. Um, and you know, I always loved to draw, and I never really considered. I never really thought it was going to. It was a possibility to do comics. Like I thought, like oh, pipe dream. Yeah. You know, never, never will really happen. Um, and it's not like my parents at, at any point were like, Oh, that's not a possibility. <laughs> um, they never downplayed it. They were just like, you really, you got to get a job. You know, you could do, you can do fun stuff on the side, Sure. but you, you, know, you need to have something stable so you can provide yeah. for yourself and have a life or whatever. And, uh, that translated itself into teaching art. My parents really, 
you know, they really strongly encouraged me to get an art teaching at degree in college. Mm. Uh, and I went to school in college. I went to school at North Park University. And uh, I got I got a degree in art teaching in Illinois. And uh, it was just, uh, I really, really did not like teaching. It was really rough, especially in Chicago. Um, there's just not enough support for a new teacher. There's not enough incentive to stay yeah. and teach well and to teach like professionally. You, know? you have to really love not- it and want to do it. Yeah. Yeah, in a lot, in some ways, you know, it's a lot like art. There's a lot of you must be willing to self-improve and get better and can continue to go back for uh, punishment. <laughs> or, or <laughs> it's a great um, word for it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it is like to this day, it's one of the hardest things I've ever done is to walk into that classroom every day and face the students again and again and again, and students who have had, you know some of them are living nightmare lives literally and they cannot help but take that into the classroom with them. And so when I'm trying to teach them art, well, they don't give a crap about art. They want, they're trying to survive. And, uh, when I have 35, sometimes like 38 students, 10 of them have pretty intense mental handicaps Mm. or, you know, physical disabilities that are preventing them from being able to participate in the class. Oh, to the fullest extent without me. And then I have, you know, 32, whatever, 32 regular students who are trying to live their lives as best they can in their own way. And classrooms are too big. Yeah. The workload is too intense and uh, there's not enough support. So it's unfortunate because I don't, that those are the future, you know, and, and even like somebody that wants to help and wants to be a part of it, it's just the grueling aspect of what it takes um, yeah, it's really, it's really, when you find a good teacher, that's why it's like, damn, you got to praise them the best you can. Cause those are really rare people. Yeah, you really do. Yeah. And, uh, I try to do my best with that. You know, also if I talk with it, I'm older now, I'm 30. Yeah. That's not older, but you're old as shit, dude. Well, it's older than a, I'm just joking. it's older than a guy or a girl going or a person as older than a, a person going into college to be an art teacher. So whenever someone or a teacher in general, I'm like, wow, are you sure you really want to do this? Every time I meet somebody new, I'm like, well, you really sure. Yeah. And most of the people that I meet are very sure. So that's good. Yeah. But it's, anyway, it's made for certain types of people too. You might just be like hypersensitive to those things and makes you like hyper aware and, and, and kind of destroys you inside, you know, or not having the tools. Like that's how I am too. It's like, it's really difficult to communicate properly to people, but yeah but okay so you got an art education because that's what i did too because i was like my fallback i was like okay i'm gonna do this because i think that's a guaranteed like government type job you know starving artist was like a phrase that would always run in my mind growing up you know so yes and it was going in my parents mind as well (laughs) and they really supported me you know as i said i was i was homeschooled third grade through 12th grade and uh you know it allowed me to get private be be privately tutored and you know figure drawing and oh that's so um, cool who who taught you then was it your mom or your dad or both uh my mom took on most of the responsibilities when i like before high school Mm -hmm. and then um when i started getting into like the middle of high school i started taking like lower level uh college credits at the local college community college and um I started like I did some like online classes and some self-directed stuff as well. Hmm. Um, 
do you regret not going to normal school or did you enjoy the process? I mean, it's hard, you know, probably hard to tell, but um, it is hard to tell. Cause yeah, I don't know. know. Yeah. I think in some ways, you know, I don't know. It's a good question. I think, uh, I think no matter what I would have, who can say, man, I, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm glad cause I love my life right now. Good. Um, but you know, who's to say what would have happened? I can't say. Yeah. Um, true. True. You don't know what you can't don't have obviously. So yeah. I do like how, you know, I was definitely very naive through most of high school and, you know, at first I thought that was like a really bad thing looking back on it, but I'm like, yeah, nah, I don't know if it good. was that bad. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's pretty good. <laughs> now, now Some it's like, you don't now, need to know, you know, or don't like, what's the point in having that in your head rolling around all the time, you know? So yeah, ignorance is bliss in certain respects, I would say. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But, um, so, you know, I graduated and I, I, you know, you have to do student teaching. I'm sure, you know, where you like, where you're in school in college and you have to teach, with like supervision. Um, and I hated that. And I graduated from school and I was a hospital transporter for two years, just a nothing job, you know, what's that um, do? What's that exactly? Well, there's a big hospital pretty close to the school where I used, where, where I used to go called Swedish covenant hospital. And, uh, if you were to come into the emergency room with like a head injury, I'd be the person who'd roll you from the emergency room to the cat scan department. Oh, okay. And I'd come grab you and bring you back. And if you need surgery, I'd bring you over to surgery. It was a trip and it's a big hospital. And I knew it like the back of my hands. Uh, was it an old uh, one or a newer one? Like an older hospital. Oh, cool. Yeah. Was it an old one? Cause those have like yeah. crazy, like just feeling and weird stuff. <laughs> it's funny. Like they haunted. That they, feeling, yeah. yeah. There were some, oh, there were, it took up maybe like four mini city blocks, Whoa, but each huge. building was older than the last one. Oh. Um, and so they were connected by skyways. So you'd go over a skyway and you would enter in a building that you could tell was way older, like carpet, hmm. you know, whatever. And then you, you cross over the sky, the sky bridge into another section and you could tell that it was super new, like really nice floors, nice equipment. So, um, you know, and then the room sizes would change of course and all that stuff. So if you knew, if you had to pick up somebody in an old part of the hospital, you knew that, uh, you needed a specific kind of, uh, gurney cause, uh, the majority of the gurneys that we would use wouldn't fit into the old rooms. They're too, too big because the tiny, tiny rooms. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I remember it was, a, it was a big trip. Like, and I would, I was still drawing like not as much, uh, when I was at the hospital, I had a little sketchbook with me cause nurses would make me wait before I could take their patients to surgery sure. just because I'm low on the totem pole and they have things to do. And so I'd be awkwardly, you know, standing there with the patient who's on my gurney or in the middle of the hallway, you know, and they're bored and I'm bored. And so I would ask if I could sketch them in my little sketchbook and I'd usually give them the sketch that I've made them. And oh, that's that was fun. Yeah. <laughs> made the best of what you had at that time then. So just, I didn't do it. I didn't do it as often as I should have, you know, sure. um, yeah. but you know, there were some really cool moments there just being able to make art for people that are in I I don't know. Like when you're in a hospital, just everything sucks. It does. And it's, it's just every, everything is the worst. And like everybody's in pain or some, something's going on. It's yeah. all bad virtually. Yeah. And then, you know, 
it was, a, it was a good lesson in like, I can't make things better, but I can draw for people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sometimes that's all it takes, you know, a little bit of a, um, attention or just like get the mind off of it. Cause a lot of times they're just, they're just so wound up on, um, naturally, you know, cause yeah, being in a hospital for the most part, I hate being in a hospital. So I try to avoid it at all costs. I, I never even go for checkups and stuff. It's probably bad. Um, yeah, <laughs> like I just, I avoid it as much as I can cause I don't like it. So so there'd be some times where like I remember I moved a biker once who's like really intense dude mm. and he was telling me about how much he loved his bike so I drew I asked for I asked I was like do you have a picture of your bike you can show me and of course he whips out his biker like business card you know <laughs> he's like that this is my bike it's right there he's like here you go and I was like oh thanks and I drew him his bike over lunch break uh. and uh, it was pretty cool we were we had a friendship for the rest of my time there it was like a year and a half every time of Oh, that's awesome. That's really cool. I bet. Yeah. I bet he really appreciated that. Yeah. Well, you know, he was like, definitely like when he first came in, he was kind of like, at least to me, he was very kind of like every biker aesthetic and attitude you can think of. Like stereotypically you, you have him in a nutshell. (laughs) He like first time he met me, he's like, you want to see something badass? I was like, (laughs) sure. And he like pulls down his lower lip. And uh, the words uh, "fuck me" are tattooed on the inside of his uh, lower lip. You shouldn't put that in your mouth as a dude, though. Hey, <laughs> you know, yeah, that's his thing. So I was like, "Damn, dude, that's intense." That He's is like, intense. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> what a goober! That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, you run into some really interesting people. Those kind of places remind me of like Stephen King novels and stuff. Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> situations and scenarios things to feed your brain to put into story and stuff right Um, well so there's these really cool moments like of like personal interaction of like human to human like somebody that i would never talk to like a biker and having a relationship with that person yeah really cool and almost like uh i don't know almost like spiritual in a sense that i don't want to get weird but get weird um, dude this is the place well, I don't know. Like, like I said, like this hospital is just, there's so much like bad things happening. And in the midst yeah. of the bad, there's something really holy there. Yeah. But then at the same time you get these, there's like one time a, uh, like a science tech, like the guys who would take, who would like do, uh, they, they worked in the lab in like the basement of the hospital with like no windows. Hmm. And I had kind of a repertoire with this one guy who, you know, didn't really seem like he ever saw the light of day, you know, Um, but he's always a little awkward and he walks by me with something on a little cart and, you know, and I was like, Hey, how's it going? He's like, you want to see something crazy? And he, before I can say anything, he unzips the bag and there's a dead baby inside. Oh my goodness. (laughs) And its head, its head was freaking squished like a pancake because it was too big and the, and the, the head was not the, the skull wasn't strong enough to handle it. Yeah. Oh, and it's man. it's like eyes were black. Oh, and no. I'll never I'll never forget it. Oh. I'll never forget it. It's like one of those things like you know, sometimes you see a horror That's movie, you're like, Man, I wish I hadn't watched that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is like a real life experience. Oh. Like, wow, I wish I hadn't seen that. That's gnarly. Yeah. I don't have a stomach for that kind of stuff. I really don't. I couldn't. I don't know what to do with that. What do you do with that information? it's like you don't, I don't do know you kind of like you're kind of numb for a little bit and then you like try and forget about it and then sometimes i have nightmares about it and maybe it just, just reminds you of your mortality i guess huh it reminds you how fragile we are i guess yeah, yeah or, you know and that's true in some ways yes but other times i'm just like damn world is <laughs> fucked sometimes it's super 
but yeah, it's 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 a uh, it's really interesting. A lot of it's perception, but for the most part, if we're not cautious, it does get kind of crazy, you know. So yeah, no, that's crazy. So you went off from that. So you 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 went off, and then then you went to doing the teaching, right? So from the hospital into the teaching, and then to the miserable, right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So after, so I got married in. Uh, all right, I got engaged in November of 2011. Okay. And uh, I knew, so, and bef- right before that, I knew that I was, this girl that I was dating at the time was like very serious. And I knew that I, you know, it was a minimum wage salary and it just wasn't, this is not really a way to provide for another person on that kind of job, at least not that I could see. Um, so, a when a teaching job literally fell into my lap, like I didn't do any work to get it. Mm. Um, I took it just cause I thought maybe this is what it's supposed to be. Cause I wish I could say I tried hard to get the job, but I didn't, you know, it just literally fell in my lap and, uh, it was just a horrible experience. And it like, I got married uh, the year that I was teaching and it was horrible then. And it was, you know, it affected my marriage. It affected my life. All I would do is come home and play Mass Effect three yeah, for hours, yeah. and not really talk. And uh, I had a panic attack. The the like the um, I got married in March. I had a panic attack uh, the last night of my honeymoon before I had to go back to work. Oh man, yeah, because your body's and, uh, like no, no, no more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's silly, like because it's like, well, I'm just teaching kids, but it's like, no. and this when I whenever I hear like people talk about teaching like because who, who've never taught I'm like oh, man you guys don't know what you're talking yeah, about yeah yeah well, it is really it's I a physical stress on your body okay I, I teach um online though so it's a totally different dynamic rather than and, te- and the students that i teach are ones that pay to be a part of it they're so it's a completely different dynamic when you're talking about like a public school system yep. and stuff because that's yeah yep. that's that's no that's that's really difficult and they were all middle schoolers too. Oh, so yeah, that's at that age too. Their freaking bodies are exploding everywhere and just yep. like getting bonchy and weird. Yeah. Yep. Hormones just, oh yep. yeah. I mean, my daughter's 12 years old, so I'm, I know what's going on. So it's just like, I get the idea, but yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty gnarly. <laughs> yeah. It's not, it's not an easy thing. So you decided, so what, where, where did this shift happen? You're like, okay, I panic attack. My life is suffering. I cannot do this anymore. So what happened? How did you make that shift in that transition? And where did, how did you find yourself, basically? Well, it was mostly my wife. Um, she was starting to see the physical toll, emotional toll that it was taking. And she's like, look, you've always wanted to do the art thing. Why don't you just try it? And we have this much savings. We can last for this long before you need to start looking for a job. And uh, it's not like we can go anywhere but down, but, uh, but up. You know, yeah. like is like if we tank, we tank, and we, you know, it's it's not like we really have anything to lose. And so, awesome. I quit my job in the middle of the summer. Uh, I was like, nope, not coming back. And I hit the portfolio like uh, bad out of hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, you you're just like, okay, you're on, you're a man on a mission. Um, yeah. You had this, you know, this new chance at a possibility, and you're taking it. Um, did you have like a, did you set up like a daily routine to kind of keep you going at it um, strong or what was your, your, your kind of daily habit when you were and how long was this duration, this, this, uh, sabbatical, I would guess you could call it. So we knew, I knew that I was going to quit my job before the school ended. 
Um, and so the day after school ended, I started working. Mm-hmm. So it was like June, late June of 2012. And uh, I, uh, p- a big part of the kind of process was me just taking any art-related job that I could get, whether it be illustration, comics, graphic design, like literally anything. Like business say, cards say, for like biker dudes and stuff? Anything, yeah. <laughs> I remember those days, yeah. <laughs> um, and like... Like I didn't, I wasn't great with InDesign or Illustrator. Still not great with Illustrator, but it didn't matter. Like if somebody needs something, I'd say yes and then figure out sure. how to do it later. Good, yeah, hustle. Yeah. And then, uh, of course, you know, there's m- m- many days of like, oh, I don't have anything. Yeah. So uh, I decided from the get go that I, you know, I always wanted to try comics, like for real. Like I did, I dabbled in college a little bit. I always like entertained the idea, but. but I was like, why don't I just make a webcomic and put it online for free and try and show people that I can do it and maybe somebody will pay me to do it someday. Yeah. And that was uh, Space Mullet, my first it. kind of comic. Yeah, it's a webcomic. Um, and I started working on that in yeah June of 2012 and uh, just put everything I had into it when I wasn't working on other stuff. And if I ever got a gig, I'd, I'd you know destroy it I'd, or I'd just get it done super fast or yeah. you know I'd turn around really as quickly as I could and then go right back to space mullet. Um, and uh, I did this for, Oh, (laughs) I love that. That makes me so happy to hear because you you took that, that step and then you hustled. And like, I always say like under extreme pressure, like you can only get a diamond under extreme pressure and like that extreme pressure Mm -hmm. of that hustle, like it helped you establish, like I love it when people go out and make their own passion projects too, because that's where the true, like learning and the true love and the true exposure of who you are is revealed, I think, which is really great, you know, like mm. showing people cause you, people won't know what you have until you show them really, you know, and how, how would you, how, how could they, you know, they don't know. So I think that really helps and that's cool. And how long, how many years now have you been doing the space mullet things? I, I saw that as a part of the thing that you're doing. Technically I've been working on it since June of 2012. So however many years it is, Wow, we're coming up on the uh, five-year anniversary. There you go, man. Got to drink a brewski for that one. Uh, indeed. Uh, <laughs> a space mullet brewski celebration. You have a barbecue. Get a mullet. I haven't. Yeah, I haven't been working on it um, as much now, just because I have so much paying work. Yeah, good for you. Um, so, and it wasn't until, you know, it's funny. I was like totally um, anti-social media <laughs> when I first started. I don't know why artist cred. I don't know. It's yeah, dumb. it's it's not but, really appealing to be honest. It's like kind of weird, and there's a ego yeah. and sick, people are sycophantic, and it's just kind of weird, you know. But yep. there is some good stuff to it. So when did you make the decision? And was it Instagram or something? Because well, it was Instagram at the very get go, and I was realizing that artist, I think too. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I was figuring out like, okay, if I post anything personal. I lose followers. If I post art, I gain followers. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. You, you, you yeah. just look at the data quickly. It's a numbers game, you know? So, and so it was mostly Instagram and I didn't want to get on Twitter. Didn't want to get on Twitter. And then about a year later, this is, uh, early, early 2013. My little brother, Timothy was like, Dan, why are you not on Twitter? And I'm like, I don't want Twitter. I don't know. He's like, Dan, you need to be on Twitter. And I'm like, I don't want to be on Twitter. Yeah. He's like, all right, just give me your damn phone. I'll make you a Twitter account right now. 
And I was like, okay, fine, whatever. If you do the work for me. And he made it, he made the Twitter account, Daniel Warren art. And, uh, I just tagged you. Yeah. Yep. And I, and, uh, that, that's what got it started. And then it was through Twitter. I, every time I'd post an update on space ball and I'd put it up on Twitter, hmm. it started getting a little bit of traction. And then, uh, Brandon Graham, uh, started retweeting my stuff. Um, of uh he does he did the profit reboot and yeah um i had those yeah he does yeah he does a bunch of different he does a, he's an awesome dude awesome artist awesome storyteller yeah. and uh that was around the time where you know i was starting to see some interest in my work and boom offered me a, a story you know but, I, but it didn't turn into anything but i was starting to get little trickles of like possible gigs here and there. Sure. Yeah. And then, uh, dark horse finally asked me to work on like a little 16 page short story for their Eve online properties. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, uh, it was, I got the gig right at Thanksgiving of 2013, I think. Yes. 2013. I got the gig and, uh, the deadline was the 31st of December. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you gotta love that. Oh, it's great. And I, I was thinking, I was like, man, I think, I don't think anybody else is going to get theirs in one time, but I'm going to get mine in one time and hopefully they'll give me more work. <laughs> sure enough. I, I got them there. The new year's Eve, I sent all the files in and then sure enough, I got work with them two months later. That's awesome. Um, on, on the ghost fleet with Donnie Cates. Oh, okay. Who who was the writer of that? And that kind of led that. Then things started going from one one thing to another. Um, so, and uh, and then Dark Horse also expressed interest in publishing Space Mullet as a like printed collection. Yeah. Um, and one thing led to another. So and there you go. And the transitions working, and you figured out how to make it work. Yeah, and honestly, for a long time, at least a year, maybe a year and a half, I was like, eh, I don't know if the comics thing. I was really enjoying working on Space Bullet, but I kind of was convinced, like, I'll just do whatever pays best and always do comics on the side because I'm enjoying it so much. Sure. I never thought that, you know, it would be a super viable option. And then I started realizing that the illustration work, at least the illustration work that I was getting, it, you know, I'd have return clients, but they'd come back like once a year. <laughs> sure, it sure. wasn't like graphic design where it's like, we need new letterheads like every month or whatever. It was like, yeah. we need, need this one thing for a corporate party every year. <laughs> yeah. It just wasn't feasible. And then I saw comics pays less, but there's more work. So then I started chasing after it and that's when the dark horse stuff started to happen. Awesome. So, and then what's going on with them, the dark horse stuff that you're doing. So they're, they they published uh, the Ghost Fleet, uh, which went eight issues um, with Donny Cates, and then they also published the first two hundred pages of Space Mullet. Um, that's out. You can buy it on Amazon. Awesome. Um, I'll buy yeah. it tonight. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I support you, man. This is great. I, I love it, and you're living the dream, and you're doing it for people that necessarily didn't do it for themselves, and you're making it happen. So. I, uh, I laugh and to myself, I usually, like, I, I always say I'm a failed comic book artist, but I figured out how to do it in other ways, you know, as design or 3D or whatever. Um, I definitely do still have a huge affinity and love for comics and stuff, but um, it is a difficult thing for me personally. It's just the way that it works in my head. It's just a little bit weird, I guess. It's hard to explain. And, and um, I don't know, I never was able to really click with making that sequential art. And a lot of it's just taking that deep dive because it's, it is so investing to, to, to be good at comics. It is a life 
changing thing mm-hmm. to really dedicate yourself to being good at it you know like you could be decent at it but when you want to really be good at it it takes like you have to take that deep dive into it you know so well i was seeing the drawings on twitter you're pretty dope you've got some sweet skills uh thanks man uh you've been kind but no i just i I love drawing i think a lot of it just comes directly from um a place of just love you know um and well you have i'm sorry i didn't mean to interrupt no no what's up oh i just i was seeing the like the lost boy is that that's uh is that a tell me about that is that a comic that you're working on or just a kind of property or yeah so i mean just like you mentioned earlier and i was just going to get into that next is that you love to make your own worlds and creations and stuff too and i have the same thing for the most part my daily operation is working on feature films and stuff and helping directors with their own thing but for me i'm like oh when i have my spare time i love to draw and make my own comics and and art and all that kind of stuff. And I'm slowly working on the book for that. But um, yeah, it's, it's basically a world that I created with my friend, very close friend, Anthony Scott Burns, him and I are like two peas in a pod. So, and it's just uh, like a, it's a world that there's no humans that exist in it. I won't get into too deep, too much detail into it. Cause we're still developing it. We're actually developing it with, with Fox and turn in right now. And cool. Feature film stuff, but that's just, that stuff just takes forever. So, um, but yeah, it's just mainly um, just it's just this world that I uh, created, and it's just um, gets really crazy, and it's unlike anything else that's been out there, and it's quite unique and authentic, and yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's just another another excuse for me to basically chase dreams from my childhood, and and really kind of um, yeah, just chase dreams, basically have fun with it, and and have an excuse to kind of go off and just doodle and make things and stuff, and not be so serious about things, you know, so. But. Well, I, I love the, uh, I love the design oh. of that, of, I'm not sure what his name is, but he pops up a lot in your Twitter feed and I really dig him. Oh, cool. Yeah. It's just the LB. It's like the main character, but they change, uh, they change bodies cause they can, so they can switch off parts and body parts and stuff, but they retain the, the same face or part of the head. So, but they're constantly shifting off. So it's like um, imagine Legos that move <laughs> and ultra-violent <laughs> Legos, I guess, if that's the, the case for it. But no, I think you appreciate it. And it's just, um, yeah, I was, I was, I was, um, yeah, I, it's just, it's a lot of fun. Basically, it's just an excuse for me to, to get away from the design stuff and the 3D stuff and to just draw again. You know, I, I would just get lost as a kid and it was just a good excuse to get back to those, that world, you know. Well, if there was a comic about that guy in your style, I'd read it. Oh, there you go. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it. So I'll eventually, I think I think my p- p- problem for me is I'm kind of like, well, I wouldn't say I'm nearly, obviously not nearly as good as like a Kim Jong-G, but that's, he, he kind of doesn't do comics really, but he just draws stuff that he likes. Yep. So that's kind of like what I'm at. But I just feel like, well, what the shit am I? Like, I'm just like a con, like, like an artist that just likes to draw stuff. But I, I, you know, for the longest time, cause I see you do a lot of commissions and I think that's really badass. and I've done them too, but they're really difficult for me because I have to like really understand the character and everything and like be passionate about it and understand like the energy that the, you know, it looks like you put a lot of miles in, so you got it down. But for me, it like, it was always really difficult. So um, mm. how do you approach commissions? Cause I noticed you do a lot of them and I would love to actually get some information about possibly if you'd be interested, I'd love to commission you at some point to do one. So of, of your liking too. So yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Uh, I, well, it has a lot to do with my art rep, Felix Lou, um, of Felix comic art, um, podcast. 
Yes, well, so he has the podcast. But his main thing is that he's an art rep for a bunch of different artists, okay. um, which you can see at FelixComicArt.com. Okay. Um, but he he reps he reps guys like James Heron and Nick Dragata and uh, uh, like Scotty Young. Like he's got some big players, which is great. They're great guys too. Um, oh yeah, I've been here and, before. Yeah, yeah. So he um, he approached me. Um, you know, he said that he really liked my stuff and he was wondering if I ever needed an art rep. And, um, I said, yes. And then he put the ghost fleet pages up online to sell. And then he was also having me do commissions for people that were interested. And at first I was just kind of cranking through them, you know, like, cause when I would go to shows, go to comic shows, when I was still trying to get the word out about space mold, I would just, uh, do, I would, uh, my like in 2012, I went to Wizard World Chicago, and the table's like $600 or something ridiculous. Mm. And I don't want to go and not make any money and just like have my book and then eat $600. <laughs> um, yeah, I uh, I would uh, half my table was devoted to space mold. The other half had a big banner which was uh, I draw likeness portraits of you as a zombie. <laughs> <laughs> Our prostitution so, baby. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I I make it happen. Yeah, people would come up and they'd pay me. I'd take a photo of them on my phone and then I would sketch them. Awesome. And like 20 minutes is a full-on zombie and then I would <laughs> come home with, you know, enough money to like pay the rent maybe Bargain a few times money. over. <laughs> um and it also like I would get some other people who'd be like, "Hey, tell me about Space Mold. I don't care about the zombie portraits." And that's who I was I was really after. Yeah. Um and then finally people started asking me when I was with Felix you know, it's kind of this banner of legitimacy, I guess. And then also that I was working on, you know, a dark horse book and people like, I'd like Batman or I'd like Hellboy or whatever. Yeah. Um, so honestly the joy of just being asked to draw something that wasn't a zombie portrait (laughs) (laughs) was enough of a, uh, excitement, you know, to like get my ass in gear. That's cool. Um, and then, so, and Felix is an awesome guy. He's a great art rep and he knows, how much the market will bear, like the original art market. So when he sees somebody's popularity going up, my price goes up. Sure. And, um, you know, it's getting to the point where people were paying a pretty penny for like to get a drawing for me to the point where I was like, Oh dang, this is, you know, people are people's hard earned money is, you know, they're paying for art for me. That's awesome. And it's an, it's an honor and it's, it's humbling. And then at the same time, I'm like, well, I better freaking deliver uh <laughs> and then i don't know where when but i just started pushing it that's um, awesome and every commission that i have now it's i've kind of you know i've kind of dug myself a hole because now whenever i do a commission it's expected that it's going to be the most you know coolest thing ever which is a little bit <laughs> i noticed that. a little bit they keep elevating i'm like damn this is getting crazy <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's it's like I don't want to let anybody down because sure. like I know if I spent money on a commission and I've seen them, there's commissions out there that it's like, oh boy, <laughs> you know, you have, you you took a chance on an artist that you loved and you got something back that you're like, this I don't like this, gosh, <laughs> you know, and it's it's fine, like the world turns, but yeah. it's still it's like ah, yeah. sour sour grapes, bad feeling in your stomach, yeah, and I never want to be responsible for that, so yeah. I want to like push as hard as I can and give people something that they can treasure. Um, so that's kind of the attitude I take towards it. And I know it's not the same 
because I am getting paid f- to do it. But like, I want to approach commissions in a sense, in the same way that I do, like when I draw for people, mm. like I've been given this thing from, I identify as a Christian, but for other people, it may be something else. I feel like I've been given a gift and I feel like it's my responsibility to share it. Good. And even if I'm getting paid for it, it's like, I have to bring my best self to the table. Sure. Um, so that I can help, I can help bring other people joy. And so that awesome. might sound really lofty and, no, uh, it's beautiful, and man. kind it's beautiful. of, uh, you're, you're finding the good purpose in life. I think that's the important thing. And, I think that's a great way to look at it. It's a beautiful way to look at it. And you're taking responsibility for it, which makes the art better, I think, holistically. Ultimately, I think that's really, it makes the art better. It really does. If you think about it and you put that pressure on it, you go, this has got to be great, you know, and and you want it to be great and you want it to be great, not just for the sake of your own ego, but just for the person that's getting on the other other end. Because that's always been my hesitant as an artist too. uh, Sometimes it's difficult for me to go like, all right, I want to commission that. You know, because I'm like, oh, I could probably, if I wanted to, I could probably figure out how to draw myself. And that's not the point, obviously. Um, and that sounds probably really bad. But I'm just saying, like, I always worry that I'm going to get some, like, really crap, crappy thing. <laughs> and I, or, like, they might just, like, just drop the ball, you know. So, because um, I've seen that, too. I'm like, oh, damn, you know, that doesn't look very good. <laughs> um, yeah. But at the same time, it's like you take that risk. And at the same, and also, it's just, it's good to support the artist and stuff and and support what they're doing because that's you know the, the only reason they can exist and do what they do is for this from the support of others you know so which i totally all about so yeah that's awesome yeah well yeah. definitely I'll, I'll have to i don't know how it works i'll do i guess i'll get the information to to talk with felix so but yeah, yeah maybe we could great. do a trade or something yeah of course yeah any of that kind of stuff is totally i'm totally down for that draw you lost boy or some so <laughs> or whatever that'd be awesome i'd love that <laughs> yeah yeah i'm eventually gonna make a book um i have i have about 700 drawings they're just a lot of them are unfinished and so i'm wary about like just putting a bunch of sketches into a book so I, if once it goes to like 50 50 like 50 percent sketches because i was gonna that's gonna the next thing i was gonna ask you is um, when do you know to start switching from the sketch into the final polish? It looks like you definitely have a, um, like a pipeline, a production pipeline in your own like methodical way of creating. And that's what I was going to curious about, you know, your steps and the, the approach to coming from an idea to the final completion. And if you had something interesting or a piece of advice to help others, um, when they're trying to take on something as big as like a, a panel, a, a blank white piece of paper, basically mm. the, the enemy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I guess the most important thing for me when it comes to like laying out a page, like composition and then also commissions is having a plan before I go and getting my bad ideas out first. Mm. Um, cause no matter what, if I do a little thumbnail and I know that it's not working in a tiny, like drawn in 10 seconds, uh, thumbnail, it's not going to work in a, as a big drawing. Mm. Um, like a hundred percent of the time it will not work. I know that 90% of the time, if I like the panel, the tiny little quarter sized panel that I've drawn, it'll work big. Mm. Um, it's not a guarantee, but it's a very, it's a very, it's for the most part, it's a really solid roadmap. Um, because you know, you know, there are a million artists out there that will, you know, pack a million, a million details into a drawing, but it still doesn't sing like, doesn't have a design. you know, yeah. or like a Kirby, like, you know, you see a Kirby page compared to whatever other kind of page, you know, where it's just like too much detail and there's not really any focus on any one thing. Yeah. 
Um, and really like putting design, uh, design elements to good use to like, so like that I am kind of like building on a, uh, uh, I'm building on solid rock. I'm not building on like a house of sand. Yeah. Um, bad composition is like building on sand. It just never works. Never works. Polishing a turd. Um, Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and you know, then it's like, and you can, I can tell if I'm, especially if I'm working on a panel and I am working on it and it's like, I I know that, you know, maybe I kind of, I was rushing the thumbnails that day or something and the page isn't working. I'm like, well, we got to go back to the drawing board with this. And it's only when the composition in my thumbnails are strong that I feel confident in attacking the the white paper. Um, So I guess planning is what I would say, because honestly, once the composition is there, I just, I mostly just burn rubber. I mean, it very, it's very rarely takes me less very rarely takes me longer than six hours to finish a page. Hmm. That's awesome. Um, Blasting then. You get that energy going. Yeah. I mean, well, I, I am not an, I'm not a patient enough artist to sit there for 12 hours. <laughs> like a Travis Charest or something like that. How the hell? Oh <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or like, you know, there's a, and there's an endless amount of those kind of awesome people that do incredibly detailed work. He, he's really great with design too. I would say that he's has incredible design. Um, I just get, too. I just get bored too fast. <laughs> um, you have energy like I'll, Paul Pope does though. You have that, like that just crazy, awesome energy everywhere, which thanks. Is, yeah. It's beautiful. It's very different. I think, which is, I mean, I guess it's more or less common for some people, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think it's awesome. I'm trying to, I'm trying to bring my best self, but in a contained like sandbox medium, because I don't want to, I've gotten obsessed about my art before and I, I can't let myself go there because it's just too much. <laughs> it's unhealthy. Yeah, it is. It is unhealthy. Yeah. Cause then you're just living in a spiral, I guess, you know, exactly. I got to let go and bring my best self and then let go at the yeah. end of the day. That's awesome. Uh, a typical day for you. What's that look like? Well, we'll wrap this up in a couple minutes. I just have a couple more questions I wanted to ask. Oh yeah, that's but fine. What's a typical day for you look like? Uh, I try and exercise in the morning, uh, run. What do you do? Jujitsu? I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just, uh, you run. I, I run on, a, I run on the treadmill at my local LA fitness and, uh, it's a humbling experience every day. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you, man. That's awesome. Yeah, so I start with my humble salad in the morning, we'll call it. There you go. I like the sound uh, of that. <laughs> yeah. Come, Keep you come back. Yeah. yeah, even if I but even if it's like, you know, I try and run two miles every day. Uh usually it does I don't make it or like I do it, but it's like it's like watching a horrid like half human husk, you know, like groping <laughs> along on the treadmill and uh <laughs> What's Jesus. really depressing is that when there's like 70 year olds going like, you know, like burning rubber on the treadmill next uh, to you. How dare they? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, everybody but, metabolizes differently. All right. So <laughs> everybody works at a different rate. <laughs> amen. Um, come home, coffee always, and uh, go down to the drawing board and uh, do my best to crank it out. And then my wife is, is a bartender. Um, so, a lot of times yeah yeah, lots um, of stories oh yeah (laughs) but she uh she sometimes she won't get home till like 
one thirty, two a.m. Yeah. So sometimes that my day will get interspersed with like instead of uh, exercising or getting to work on time, uh, we'll get breakfast or we'll hang out during the day, and then I'll get started later, um, which happens around like noon or one o'clock, and I work into the night. Awesome. Um, so I'm kind of always juggling. Sometimes I wake up early and rocket. Sometimes I have to kind of get into the groove which is always harder later in the day sure uh but such as marriage <laughs> yeah yeah definitely and you guys don't have a kid either no yeah not yet yeah eventually that'll happen and then oh well, if you do decide to but then yeah turn up the complexity a couple more notches so yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah and that's why i'm starting because we do want to have kids in the near future at least and I'm trying to train my body to like get every page done that I do with the same amount of quality and less time. So my goal is five hours a page, no more, uh, whether there's a crazy battle scene or it's like, you know, super simple. Yeah. Uh, so whatever it takes, I don't want to say that I'm going to cut corners, but I just, you know, in- intensifying my focus and, uh, you know, and just being healthy about it, I guess. Sure. I mean, it is a war of attrition with this stuff, you know, and I, I remember um, there might be a book that you might like if you haven't read it before. It's uh, Stephen King on writing. Oh, it's awesome. It's love that book. book. I love it because it's just, you know, think of him as the king literally of, of that of horror genre and novel. And you just when you when you read that, you just understand that it's all about sitting down and getting the freaking work done, you know, and making it happen. And that's really but just, you know, at the end of the day, you're judged by your work and his work ethic and the way he, he gets his work done. You know, you say a page, he would say 3,000 words, you know. Yep. Um, and I think that's really, I love that book. It's one of my favorites. Um, awesome. Okay, last question is usually one I like to leave these shows with because it's for myself and also for anybody that might be listening out there that might be struggling or really curious about how to get into this stuff. I mean, we kind of talked about it earlier, but... Is there any advice that you would give to say your past self or to somebody out there that's looking at kind of like chasing their own dreams or taking a risk on themselves? And is there anything that you can kind of think about that would kind of uh, ease that, that transition for them? Mm. Don't be an idiot. No, I'm joking. Gosh. <laughs> um, I guess I'd say, uh, if you're just starting out and you're looking at comic artists now, no matter what age you are, young or old or middle of the road, um, I'd say a few things. I'd say, A, it is possible for you to do this for money. It is hard, um, but it is possible. Um, B, uh, I, like, I see a lot of people who are trying to get into comics or trying to do the creative professional kind of thing. And they're from the get go, they're trying to be an artist that they love that they are not. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of like Jim Lee clones out there there. Oh, in yeah. my case, I was a Joe mad clone in every sense of the word, especially in Same. high school and college. And I don't mean to like, like downplay that or like say that that's a terrible thing. Cause it's not, it um, but because if, if if you want to draw like Joe Matt or Jim Lee, go. I mean, like rock and roll. That is awesome. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you want to make it, you got to draw like you. Uh, that's all like – and like – so that might mean that you 
put in less lines. It might mean that you put in more lines. It might mean that you totally strip your style down to something that works for you. Like, let's take um, Brandon Graham, for example. We'll bring him up again. Like, there's no way that Brandon would be able to draw like Jim Lee ever. But he's not trying to. Brandon plays to his strengths, and then you get comics like King City that are awesome. But they're drawn in a style that is that wouldn't fit in like a Batman universe or a universe like that. It, it fits in his universe. Yeah. You can tell that Brandon's head is filled with these things and it's going from his head to the paper. And the journey isn't about how he can draw perfectly. The journey is how he can present himself to his audience in the best way possible. Mm. So it's almost like you kind of have to like rethink about the way you approach art yeah. in the sense of it's not about how quote unquote good you are at drawing. It's about how much of yourself is on the page. How much are you letting yourself be? Mm. Um, so that's, that's kind of artsy fartsy. No, but I love that advice. That's incredible advice because it's so true, you know, and it's so easy to fall into that hype beast mentality where you're seeing somebody get a lot of likes or attention at Jim Lee or any of these people. Um, Frank Miller, I fell into that when I first started drawing again. I was like Jeff Darrow and Frank Miller, you know, and I still have that in my own roots. But you slowly chisel that away. And one of the lines I always remember when I get lost in that kind of stuff is I remember Frank Rosetta saying, um, to people that would constantly copy him and he had the most mature approach to it. He said, you can either be a first rate you or a second rate Frazetta, you know, you choose, you know, and I think that is really where you define who you are. And it's, it's good to use it as a study and get used to it and kind of understand like, oh, maybe my style's like this. Let me study that. And then, okay, maybe my style's this. And, but eventually you're going to have to do you and your own thing. And I think that's really what you're supposed to be providing to the world because it's you that they really want, not, you and a version of you thinking of being somebody that you're not, you know, it's yeah. difficult. It's difficult to do, you know, um, cause you're just going to fail a lot. <laughs> People are going to laugh yeah. at you. No, I'm joking. They won't. Maybe they will. So, well, you know, and Daniel it's a, it's a fine sure laugh at you. So <laughs> sounds like such a it's- jerk. <laughs> just met you <laughs> uh, i have bad sense of humor sorry yeah. oh no you're good it's a fine line you know yeah. like and i struggle with the same thing every time i see a new cory walker comic like when he was working on invincible a few issues ago mm. i'm like i have to draw like him more <laughs> <laughs> and that initial surge is good because it gets you to the drawing table and it gets you excited to draw sure um and then you got to transform that energy into saying like I'm going to use the thing that made me joyful and made me excited to draw. I have to channel it into like my bloodstream and then put out what I would put out if I was me. Yeah. So yeah. Great. Being, being yourself, Daniel, it's been amazing. I appreciate your time. You're awesome. Um, we'll keep in touch for sure. Cause I definitely want to do something fun with you in regards to art. So thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your time with everybody. And, uh, thank you, man. Any, any last words great, to any, kind of, any blast or anything you want to do some self promotion stuff. If you need uh, the comic, the comic that I'm working on right now is called uh, extremity. I'm writing and drawing it with image comics. Issue four came out today, uh, Wednesday, the seventh. Yes. Um, you can get that at your local comic shop. Um, a comic that I am, uh, oh gosh, I'm trying to think of a comic that I'm really enjoying right now. Uh, trying to think of somebody that maybe, you know, people would not have heard of. Yeah. I'm sorry. 
the oh pressure. My gosh. We're all listening, waiting. No, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, instead of a comic person, I'm going to tell you that a band that I love that there I've been go. listening to a ton. Let's see that. They're called uh, Eternal Champion. Oh, I've heard of them. Yeah, they're like super like old school 80s epic kind of like, uh, I don't know. It's like the musical equivalent of like holding a battle axe. <laughs> Are you listening to Mastodon I, much? I do listen to Mastodon. How, what do you think of their new album? I really love it. I think it's great. <laughs> it I, took I me, call them like the metal boy band and in the best of ways, like because they're all harmony, like harmonizing mm-hmm. and stuff. And I just, it's just good metal. I just enjoy it. Yeah. It, it took like me really like five themselves. or six listens to really get into the new one. It's different, which I love. I love it when a band's evolve. It's slightly different. The one be- right before it was just freaking getting awesome. I love the one before it too. So I my my favorite album of theirs is Crack the Sky, and this oh, is definitely yeah. a hearkening back to that kind of proggy yeah. sensibility. Crack the Sky is awesome. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. (laughs) And it's like, it just meets, it's just the perfect, oh, it's the perfect album. It's like sad. It's uplifting. It's joyful. It's, uh, yeah. And so I, I'm, I just bought it on iTunes, uh, the new, the new, the new album. Hmm. And now it's really making the rotation. And I'm like, I went from like putting it on in my car, kind of like absorbing it. Now it's on my headphones, you know, (laughs) it's making the Um, rounds, the the rounds then. (laughs) <laughs> yeah well i go back between the drive-by truckers and metal so <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome oh, that's awesome man no definitely i'll definitely uh, check out eternal champion some more too i was thinking of uh there's this other one lizards wizard lizard or something like that it's another one i was checking out too through a friend of mine was showing it to me i think it's called wizard lizard lizard wizard something like that I can't remember. What is, what is that? You said you were going on a metal kick right now. What are some bands that you've been checking out? Oh, well, definitely Norma Jean. Um, yep. Um, right now, I'm actually listening to the latest Alt-J album, which is awesome. really love okay. that album. Um, and then um, I was listening to um, As I Lay Dying, the latest album, As I Lay Dying album. Uh, I'm enjoying that. Did and, that. When did that come out? Uh, pretty recently. Uh, let's see. Because uh, their singer went through all that. Hoo-ha, right? Oh, not as I lay dying. Sorry, every time I die, I get all these names. Every confused. time I yeah. die, okay. I was like, "Whoa, they're still together?" <laughs> uh, no, yeah, he tried to kill his wife. The, uh, 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 he, he tried to hire an assassin somebody. to kill his yeah, wife. Yeah, like crazy. Yeah, and it's crazy. Is like I went to like a school with guys that were in the band, and say so, yeah, I was dang. Yeah, every time I die, there's a new album I've been checking out. My buddy Nate's got me listen to that. Um, uh, Gojira, 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 Gojira. Yeah. yeah, I really uh, dig their sound. Crazy, crazy. Just, just a lot of sound. <laughs> just a wall so of I kn- sound. Yeah. And I know that they're really big, but I, you know, I've never spent any time with them, so maybe I should, uh, maybe I should check them out. Check them out and check out Cloud Kicker too, if you haven't listened to Cloud, Cloud Kicker. Kicker. Okay. Yeah, Cloud Kicker. Cloud Kicker is. I've actually had him on the podcast, and he's just a one man show. So cool. To it. You should check out. Let me find a good album for you so you can check sure. out Cloud Kicker because it's got, he's got a lot of different albums. Let's see, um, Cloud Kicker. Yeah, he's just uh, he's an awesome dude. that just kind of shreds and doesn't. He just kind of just okay. I'm doing this and that's it. So <laughs> let's see, uh, Cloud Kicker. I love it when people just do things because they love them and they just yep. put it out there. And that's definitely him. I would check out the Fade album if you if you're into like some heavier like the more metal stuff. I'd check out Beacons. 
I'd say maybe okay. weekends would be good. So a good starter. And just keep in mind, it's made by one guy. So yeah, it's got some rad shredding stuff though. So yeah, I think you'll dig it. I'm going to jam that to that today too. So <laughs> awesome. awesome. Thanks buddy. I appreciate it. Let's please keep in touch. And thank you again for being on the show. And that concludes this week's episode. Big thank yous to Daniel for coming on the show and sharing his time with us this week. You can find links to the show notes for this week's episode at the slash 156 along with links to our Facebook, Twitter, and iTunes podcast page. Have an amazing day, everybody. Go out there, be powerful, go be prolific. Peace out.